0: .com. The right detail can bump your wardrobe up a notch. Kick off this year by letting Indochino upgrade your style with customized suits, shirts, chinos, bomber jackets, and more without spending a fortune. Indochino clothing is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail. Give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. Get $50 off any purchase of 3 dollars or more with promo code STYLE at indochino.com. That's Indochino.com. Promo code STYLE. Today on the Zabecast, Harvey's going to the big house.
1: But before he does, let's not forget the very people who enabled him all this time. Andy Poland swings on in. We talk combine, career advice, and a question about barstool sports. All that plus Jose Altuve has already been booed and plunked. And some free advice for the Cowboys on Dak Prescott. Your bonus 45 minutes of me and friends is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. (laughs) here we go. Tuesday, February 25th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. Before we get into it today, we are running out of automatic bids, guaranteed spots in Zabe Vegas 2020. It'll take place at the at the heart, not the Hard Rock. It'll take place at the MGM Grand and the Top Golf at MGM Grand on Friday, March 27th, from 3:30 in the afternoon until 6:30 p.m. We are going to do a live ZabeCast uh, show in our private room. We're going to have Free drinks and food there, unlimited use of four top golf bays, and of course, both of the Sweet 16 games on in the early session on Friday afternoon on TVs in our private room. You'll get to meet and greet me, Paul Charchian, Mr. X, and it's going to be a great gathering of Zabe friends. Go to Zabe.com slash ZabeVegas2020. That's Zabe.com slash ZabeVegas2020. And sign up today. Last I checked, I think we had 52 of the 64 maximum number of spots available. So, chop, chop. We've only been up and running for about a week and a half. Uh, I think they're going to run out by the end of February. All right, having said that. Quickly, an electronic mail. This one from David M. Lee in Williamsburg, Virginia. He writes to say, Today's podcast, Zabe, your emergency backup goaltender story or ebug story was presented beautifully. You are the consummate professional storyteller. Thank you. Secondly, you mentioned other Cinderella wrinkles that still exist in professional sports. Can you share the others? Well, one I said was you know to be the marker at the Masters on Saturday and Sunday when the field has an odd number of players. Jeff Knox, who is a younger member of Augusta, forty something, very good player, former amateur, uh, top amateur player, uh, is that marker, and he's played a number of times. And um, one time he apparently beat Rory McIlroy. <laughs> In a uh you know, he was on his ball, he he beat Rory McElroy. I think it was Rory McElroy, somebody. Anyway, that's a pretty cool one right there. You're not you're not actually in the game though, like these emergency backup goalies are. Other than that, I can't think of any. I mean, when when is a regular civilian or a guy who is not a professional athlete called into a game in the middle of a game on a pro sport and a game that counts and is allowed to play on the team. With everyone else. It just doesn't happen. Furthermore, he said, a couple a while back you mentioned that you like to save paper bank statements in case of a complete bank computer failure. This would not be too helpful as you would likely have to have the burden of proving you didn't withdraw funds sometime later. Better yet would be to put some cash into CDs that are time-based, say five years, if the bank melts down, the feds are repaying customers through FDIC, the burden will be in the bank or the FDIC to prove the CD was cashed out early. Remember, it's $250,000 per customer, so you and Mrs. Zabe can each have an account in your names. Well, we don't have that much money, or as, as you know. I'd also suggest that be separate from the bank holding your investment accounts. Love the show. Really enjoy my morning commute with you. Thank you, David, in Williamsburg, Virginia. Of course, all of this is planning for sort of a zombie apocalypse, a doomsday EMP blast that would wreak such havoc on society as it exists. I don't know what comfort I'd have in saying, well, I've got all my money, and what am I going to go spend it on? Oh, that's right. There's widespread murders. People are roaming the countryside looking for food. Complete law and order has broken down. I didn't bother to build my preppers bunker like I knew I should have when I was watching that preppers show on TLC. So, yeah, I got money, though, which is good. That said, before we get to Andy, that was an awkward transition. Should I edit that? Nah, just more work. One last thing before we get to Andy. There we go. Smoother. Harvey Weinstein convicted on two out of five counts of sexual assault, and rape. The two charges carry prison sentences starting at like four and eight years and going up from there. He avoided three of the more serious charges. However, this is enough to put him in jail, if not for the rest of his life, for quite a while, if he doesn't win on appeal. So here is all I'm going to play for you right now. And it's a reminder, this is a tweet from one Greg Price, of the Daily Caller, and he tweets: "Harvey Weinstein is guilty, and Hollywood is still terrible. Never forget." Harvey Weinstein, Bob Weinstein, God bless him. Harvey Weinstein, who believed in us and made Affleck, this
0: movie. Harvey, and Bob Weinstein.
2: Harvey Weinstein, thank you, Harvey Weinstein, especially Harvey.
0: I want to thank Harvey and Bob Weinstein. Thank Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein, Harvey. Harvey,
2: who first took me on twenty years ago.
0: I would like to thank.
1: Quite Harvey Weinstein?
0: True. Harvey Weinstein, who had the guts, the courage, the commitment.
1: Especially Harvey Weinstein, a man of dedication
0: and vision. Uh, Harvey Weinstein. Well, listen, so. Harvey and Bob
1: Weinstein.
0: Holly Hunter. You
1: also break my heart with your uncensored passion.
0: Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey, Weinstein. Harvey and Bob. And Harvey and Bob Weinstein. To you, Harvey. Harvey Weinstein. Hey, Harvey. Weinstein, the Harvey Weinstein Company, okay. Thank you, Harvey Weinstein, for putting your heart behind this film and shining the light on this. We really like to share this with you. I, uh, I want to thank Robin Williams, the Mashpuka Weinstein, tough.
1: I mean, you know, this is how Hollywood works. It's all genuflecting and ass kicking, kissing because Harvey Weinstein got enough power he could greenlight projects, and that is crucial to surviving in Hollywood. And so for years, people knew there's some crazy shit going on. This guy is a complete slime bag. He might be assaulting young actresses in hotel rooms. I've heard stories. I've heard whispers. What are we going to do about it? Nothing. Going to get that bag. Going to get that money. Going to get my movie greenlit because this is how Hollywood works. And listen, I'm not judging them, but here's what I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear Hollywood lecturing the rest of us in America about morals or values or anything else. All right, let's see what Andy Paul up to on this glorious Monday Hello. evening. Hello! Are you ready for the dumbest thing in sports, the NFL combine? The underwear Olympics? <laughs> and am, am I wrong in saying it is the dumbest in sports or no? Uh,
2: I don't know. Just, I think we can get to a long list of uh, dumbest, but yes, watching people in their underwear and finding guys who do things like lifting 250 pounds a lot of times <laughs> and running 40 times uh, a millionth of a second faster is uh, is a great way to spend your time. Le- you know, Sean McVay is, is only going for one day,
1: you know? Good, because he, I bet you the only reason he's going is this. If he doesn't some people will kill him and the Rams as not doing their, quote, due diligence.
2: Yeah, yeah. When in
1: reality, all the Combine can do is fool you into thinking something that is not the case. I.e., I remember when Johnny Manziel was praised for working out in his helmet and I said, you've got to be fucking kidding me. I remember when they said, man, he was really impressive in his interviews. He looked in the eye of Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, and shook his hand and knew all the GM's names. And I'm like, who fucking cares? He's a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember Mike that? See, Mike is, is, the, right. uh, is the workout yeah, warrior.
2: He, yeah. He trained specifically for the drills and did very well moved up the charts and uh, was basically a
1: bust you know yeah well it, it goes on and now it's going to get bigger they've added 16 drills to the mm-hmm. combine they've moved the workout times from 11 a.m to 7 p.m and so some of the guys won't get done with their workout until 11 p.m at night
2: so for tv of course! of course
1: of yeah. course for tv it's got just it. crazy. And speaking of the weightlifting, there is no better than, there is no better cut than this one we grabbed at John Lott, which really is not on the internet very easily because I looked for it, but we got it from the private Zabe Stock Reserves. This is John Lott with Jovan Hay from Vanderbilt. Jovan Hay, Vanderbilt
0: University. All right, Vandy.
1: Come on, Vandy. Come on, Vandy. Come on now.
0: <laughs> one, nice, two. Attaboy. Attaboy. Here we go. Here we go. There you go, there you go. Come on now, rock and roll,
2: baby. Here we go. Booyah, up, attaboy, up. Nice, nice. Up. Come on now, one by one. All day long, meathead. Let's go. Up, there you go. Come on, Mandy. Up, there you go, there you go. Here we go. Up. That's it. That's it. There we go, here we go. Up, look at this red man. Here we go, here we go. Come on now, here we go. Up, lock it, lock it, lock it.
1: Nice, I see you. 33.
2: I love that fight. Did that guy ever make it in the
1: uh, NFL? Javon Hay, yes. Yes, he was a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Uh, He might have been a Minnesota Viking. Javon Hay, H-A-Y-E. There he is. Uh, He was also a Tennessee Titan, according to these photos. Panthers, Browns, Buccaneers, Titans, Lions, and back to Tampa Bay. For a second the stick. Ish
2: Smith of the NFL bounced around, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, so let me start with this. I want to talk careers and media with you because hmm. you yeah. are a longtime veteran of the biz, as we like to say. Right. So right. i got I got a call. Uh, I got a. Uh, I got an email from a family friend a gal I went to high school with. She knows my wife well from college. She helped introduce my wife and I at her wedding. And she emailed me asking if I'd have some time to talk to a family friend who wants to get into the sports media business. And that was the only specific she gave me. Now, I talked about this earlier on my podcast, saying I'm just going to ignore the request to test the, you know, the desire level. and oh. the, and, and and sort of the, the 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 get after it-ness. Like, are you just asking once and you're gonna give up? Like, if that's all you're interested in, then you're not gonna make it. You gotta have more you know, gumption than that. Right. Besides, it right. wasn't even the actual person, like she could have given my email or my number to the actual family member friend who wanted to get some advice. And then they could have contacted me directly and hounded me and relentlessly gotten after me to say, please, please, I just need a few minutes of your time. That didn't happen. So I was already kind of inclined to not bother with this, but my wife says, well, we do need to be friends with, you know, them. They're nice people. And I'm like, you're right. They are nice. And her husband has taken me to congressional, Andy. So I don't want to blow that bridge up.
2: No, you can't
1: blow that open. Okay. <laughs> no, no. So I'm, so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to re I'm going to talk to this person. What should I tell him or her? I don't know if it's. I'm assuming it's a him. Yeah. You know, what What would you um, What would you say?
2: You uh, You're using the kung fu method, like when you can take the pebble from my hand, you're ready. Like you're <laughs> you're putting them to, to that kind of a test. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I go the opposite way. I I get on him right away and I tell them all the downside. And if they're still interested, that's a good thing. If you can talk them out of it easily then you're right. They're they're not good candidates for it. Um, I, I always say to the, the kids that I talk to, look, you know, I rode in on a covered wagon. <laughs> we didn't have the Internet. Sure. Um, you got your sports information from the newspaper and watching TV and the wires and, you know, maybe you subscribed to a couple of magazines, and, and that was about it. And, you know, it was it was just a different kind of a business, and information was disseminated in a different way. I don't know what you're going to do. I mean, you're going to provide information somehow. Is it going to be like this on a podcast? Is it going to be over the radio? Is it going to be on television? I mean, everything has changed so rapidly in the last 20 years I don't know what's ahead, and I think that if you're willing to adapt, if you can do a little bit of everything, if you can write, if you can read, I mean, there's so many different things that you have to do now, and if you want to do all that, that's fine, but I would tell them it's it's as uncertain as any time I've seen it.
1: Yeah, I think the the market for a general takeologist, which is Mm kind of what you and I are, is sort of dead. Because you know. getting takes is easier than ever. They're all over the Internet. People crib their takes from what they see Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith say on television. Uh, the whole industry is awash in takes of varying quality. So there's really no craft or art to that anymore. Whereas once upon a time, if you were going to be given a sports radio show, you had to know a lot about sports, right?
2: Oh Well, it, it, on on the Internet... People would, would call up to get information. Would, would Now they know more than you do. And, right. and they have the same resources to get the information that you do. They read all the same websites that we do. And in many cases, they know more than you do. Yeah. So, yeah, to, to have the take. And to have a take, you don't have necessarily have to be right. I mean, Stephen A. Smith gave a take last week that you could tell the Astros were cheating because the Yankees didn't hit in their series against them. Oh, God. Let's... Totally not understanding the the situation. But there's nobody (laughs) to say, whoa, Stephen A., how did you come up with that? Did you do any research? Do you know anything about baseball? How would you say something so ridiculous when you know what the cheating was all about was where the the Astros were able to hit, not the way they were able to stop
1: the other team from hitting? The the other thing that's changed, and I mean a lot of these uh, jobs have changed in their stature and what they pay, but it used to be if you are a sports anchor on one of the three big channels locally in a major top ten market like Washington, D.C., you could make upwards of how much money, do you think, in the early 90s, late 80s heyday of the D.C. media landscape?
2: I think uh, at that time, in the late 80s, there were two of them making over a million dollars a year. In the
1: late and, 80s, a million yeah. A year on local TV news. I'm not disputing you. I'm just reemphasizing this. I'm repeating this for emphasis. One was George Michael. May he rest in peace. He was the king and went by the king here in D.C. Who would have been number two?
2: Glenn Brenner, Brenner. who who got an enormous contract. And one of the early contracts he got guaranteed his kid's college education, which thank God he got that because tragically he died of a brain tumor at the age of 44. But I would say at that time, that's when it was rolling. And Frank Herzog, who was uh, another local guy, I don't know if he was making a million dollars, but he was also doing the Redskin games and getting paid well to do those on the radio. Yeah, those were the kings. And those those were what you aspired to if, if you wanted to really make it in the business.
1: Right. And uh, And now you fast forward to today. And first of all, back then, they would give the sports anchors room to roam. They'd give them three, four, maybe five minutes. Well, not I even mean not five, but they'd give them a good chunk of time to do their thing, right? Now, well, er, er, yeah.
2: Yeah. I would say Ernie Bauer, a mutual friend of ours, longtime director, producer, uh, Warner Wolf, who was the predecessor to Glenn Brenner and really made it big in New York uh, and made a big year, too. Uh, what they would do, Channel Nine, the CBS affiliate, would run the national news at the top of the hour. It was Walter Cronkite, and then became Dan Rather. The other stations would run their national news at six thirty. So to make sure that they kept the the audience, they would run Warner at like six twenty five and give him like room to run. Like he could he could go to. You know, wow. sweep they sweep the half hour. Six, he could go eight, nine minutes if he wanted to. Right, and and that's how that's how popular he was that they were able to keep people from switching to national news on other stations when you know getting national news on TV was a pretty big deal.
1: Fast forward to now, and I don't know who the sports anchors are in town here at NBC, yeah. ABC or CBS, or Fox, for that matter. And we used to have a friend, Dave Feldman, who was the big yep. cheese at Fox, and he left for a cable gig in San Francisco. That ran for a while. He's now out of the cable gig because they're also downsizing those positions as well.
2: Yeah, he's doing play-by-play for ESPN. But I, I'm guessing, I don't know this, but I would be surprised if anybody who still does it, and Channel 5 doesn't even have anybody, is making $100,000 a year. I, I Wow. I don't, I, they're all I don't think any of them are making six figures.
1: And so that's an example of if we're going to give advice to young people like, oh, you want to get into sports media, how do we know what we're shooting at 20 years from now? Mm-hmm. And And mm-hmm. how do you know? Like, the only thing I would urge people, well, you, you say you tell them all the negatives first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I would say, why? Why do you want a career in sports media? Well, because I love sports. And I say, well, I love pizza, but I don't want to open a pizzeria. Yeah. You know, you can I always I tell sports fans all the time you can make money with a job as long as you don't hate it and you're pretty good at it, and you can still be a complete fanatic sports fan on your own time. It can be your recreation when you're in the sausage factory. At some point you get kind of sick of sports, right?
2: Yeah, you do. You get sick of sports, but actually the the process of, of making the sausage uh, has been enjoyable. No, no, the years. there's no the time, question. But,
1: there's no question, but yeah. you and I have been a bit lucky as well as being hardworking and talented, which I would both say we have been hardworking mm. and talented, but a uh, lot of luck so. goes into it. The right time, yeah. the right place, you know?
2: Right. Well, and and there are... You know, huge jobs, but they're now all at ESPN. Like, you know, there's a couple of guys who are making enormous salaries, but nobody's really doing, you know, basic news anchoring. Uh, yeah. That's that's pretty much like you, you have to have something extra. Like Scott Van Pelt, I think he's the most talented person at right. ESPN and, and technically that's a that's a sports newscast. But it's got his personality and, yeah. and you just can't manufacture that. That's that's something that he developed over a long period of time. He's got a really good thing and they found a great marriage between his personality and sports highlights.
1: And he but was smart enough he was smart enough when he had a chance to realize I shouldn't leave here because that's essentially making myself irrelevant espn still is a huge platform the biggest stage in the business and he agreed to stay he's getting paid a lot of money now but he works his ass off and works odd hours that are not compatible with family life late at night weekends i see him all the time on the weekends i was like jesus what the hell are you doing here working is the answer that's when sports happens on the weekends his bosses want him on and van pelt says i'll take the hours
2: Right, and I think he knows the connection that he makes with sports fans. Yes. he knows they want him on after the big games, like you know the right. big college football games and things like that. Yeah, he's he's really got, and he's still a guy who who likes. I mean, he shows up at these Maryland games and sits by the court and you know, and, and gets gets into it, he he still bets a lot. I mean, he's, he's a regular guy, even though he's very, very successful and makes a lot of money.
1: Yeah, sports media is tricky. Uh, every industry evolves, so nothing is guaranteed. But w- when you get to a certain point in the pyramid, yeah, you're doing great. It's a lot of fun. You're making really good money, but it's not very portable, yeah. and there are very limited options, you know? Yeah. You and I can't just pick up and say, well, this gig ended. I'm going to go to Chicago now and do the same thing I did there because we lack all of that institutional, local sports knowledge that the fans want in their hosts.
2: Yeah, and and you know, and that runs its course too. Like you, you really have to continue to work at it. Mike Francesa, who reached the top of the chain in, in this particular end of it, Sports Talk Radio, He's run his course. He's yeah. he's been you know, and he didn't really work at it. He didn't, he didn't right. stay with it, and and so if you really want to stay on top, you got to continue to you know work your sources, read everything, watch a lot. Uh, and he does, you know, he got too big and successful to do that, and it it, it cost him on his on air performance.
1: Last ad on this. Do you uh, are you aware of the barstool sports ecosystem and some of the guys that they do? Do you follow on social media?
2: You know, I I, I am addicted to the Portneig Pizza reviews. <laughs> I got
1: tur- <laughs> one bite. Everyone knows the rules, and then he takes yeah, yeah, multiple yeah. bites, which is funny.
2: I got turned on to it. My, my son is the, is the target audience. Oh yeah, twenty eight years old and a huge sports.
1: Jeremy's fan. So a total he, stoolie, I'm sure.
2: He loves loves barstool and uh, and he listens to their podcast. And he was telling me about it. And we compare notes on the pizza. That's one thing we got in common now. Well, and because I you think,
1: lived in New York where they are now, and you've probably had pie slices from some of those yeah, joints.
2: Not only that, but it's it's the way he's able to do it. I mean, yeah. he. he he has like a, you know, it can be any length. It could be three minutes. It could be nine minutes. Sometimes he has a guest with him. He, he just literally, and he, he just,
1: steps right out of the pizzeria, box yeah, in hand, yeah. fresh hot pie, sometimes oozing with cheese. That's Great. making me delicious, making me hungry for a pizza right now. And, uh, yeah. and then review, takes one bite and it says one bite. Everybody knows the rules and then takes more bites and then gives it a quick review and eh, okay. And a rating. And it's just sort of very conversational and informal.
2: Yeah, and he's got some good snark to it. Uh, somebody will walk by, he reacts well, you know. Well, people
1: like, know him now. People spot him all the time. Yeah. He's become yeah, that big. Yeah, they do.
2: Yeah. But it, it, here's an old reference. It's like when Bob Hope would walk onto the Tonight to Show set, and Johnny knew just how to react. Like, you know, it doesn't matter what happens during the pizza review. He reacts, and it's funny. He's, yeah. And, and and I know he's he's kind of an asshole, but he comes across as somewhat likable.
1: Oh no, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic. Oh I, no, I love the character that Portnoy has developed, and some would say that's not a character. That's really who he is. He's a despicable human being. But I don't care because he's not babysitting my kids. But right. his character, I think, is a brilliant character, and it's uh, the way he's danced on the grave of Deadspin has been absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So here's what I was thinking. Okay, so there was a there. There's a young guy in their you know company. By the name of Dana B. And he got started this thing called Zillion Beers. I guess that's one of his phrases. Because this is what Barstool appeals to. You know? The beer drinking Mm 20-something. So it's like, it's the weekend, man. I'm going to have a zillion beers. Right? (laughs) Right. So he creates a t-shirt. Because Barstool sells a lot of t-shirts and hats and stuff like that. And he gets this viral thing going with Portnoy about can he sell... Two hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of T-shirts that say Zillion Beers in forty-eight hours, and then right. everyone starts retweeting it, saying, "I don't think he can get there." You know, as a bonus of ten grand if he does it. You know, what's it going to happen? He's cutting videos and everything else. It gets to two fifty. It then goes to five. It then goes to seven. It, he hit one point five million dollars allegedly. We don't know their internal numbers in merchandise. In a short span, so I'm thinking, Andy, this guy's a rock star. This guy must be like, oh my god, I'm on my way. I'm a star now in the in the famous barstool ecosystem. Now what? What's next? I don't, I don't
2: know. I don't know. What's works. his career? <laughs> Who knows? Right? Yeah.
1: Am I, mean... I right about that? Because they yeah. have at barstool a huge bushel basket of crabs. Desperately clawing each other to get out and to get the attention of Portnoy and become the next PFT commenter or the next big cat. Who are their two big stars, right? Right,
2: right. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, so I what know. happens? I what happens to a guy that's like, I can't believe it. I pulled it off. I sold one point five billion in merchandise. I'm a star now. Now what do I do? Uh,
2: does he create another website? Does he have his own little? corner hot dog stand. no I, because I don't know. guess what yeah.
1: nobody gives a shit it just became like this viral thing where you know barstool yeah. has x million followers across all of their personalities all their platforms and it i'm not saying it's a cult but it's got sort of those elements and when there was a cause going and i guess a chunk of the money raised in these t-shirts went to a als foundation from someone they know up there in boston it was like okay i'll buy the t-shirt the t-shirt sucked by the way i looked at it i was like that's the t-shirt and I was yeah. just I was just thinking from a career standpoint, so what does he do after Barstool? He can't start his own deal. Nobody gives a shit what his opinions are. I don't even know if they're right. any good. Does he have any broadcasting talent? Can he write? Does it? No, it's just he's big mm. in this little ecosystem. So if you're a young person, I think my only advice I'm going to give this person is you got to think 20 years ahead. And not just yeah. you can't predict the future as to what's going to be there. But always be thinking 10 years, 20 years will go by in a snap. Then what?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, sometimes it's, it's what you stumble into. Like, you're doing something else. And, and I'll use the Francesa example. He was working as a researcher for CBS. He was finding out facts for Jim Nance and Brett Musburger for their broadcast I don't know if he imagined when he started doing this that there'd be something called sports radio right. that would come along and he did have a tough time getting in the door because he didn't have a name but once he got on his knowledge which at that time was greater than everybody else because there was no internet and he was calling Jimmy Johnson and he was calling various coaches and he was finding out things he had inside information that you weren't getting in the newspapers and even though he had a thick New York accent and kind of a slow dull delivery he was able to make a name for himself by giving you information. and uh, But it was so more that Francesa
1: know. grew because he was the Pope. He was so certain yeah. in his opinions, and he was so rude with people who would at all challenge him. He became yeah. like this wrestler nobody could beat on sports right. radio. And right. that was and his also, shtick.
2: He also benefited more so than he'll ever admit by the great chemistry that he had with Chris Russo, right. that that the, the two of them had totally different styles, and the way they were each trying to climb up the bat handle uh, to get to the to the top <laughs> rung, uh, made it just work so well together. Right. And uh, yeah, he he. It's all timing. Who knows? Who could have predicted that that would have
1: worked? Yeah. But it did. All right. Uh, on the baseball front, this was Jose Altuve. on <laughs> The second baseman number twenty-seven, Jose Altuve. This was at a Tigers spring training game, so you can predict how the season's gonna go. He also apparently got hit by pitch today. Plunk.
2: Yeah, I heard that.
1: I've not it was, uh... seen it. And then you combine that with someone for the Astros confiscating a few innocent signs by Nats fans. Yeah. How long how is this gonna go all year? Ballparks can't I... possibly confiscate signs all year long, can they?
2: Don't, don't you think this is going to run its course? No. I, we're still in February here. Don't, yeah. You think this is still going to All be going year. on in, in July?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. That, because when the Astros visit a team for the first time in July, there'll yeah. be people there that have the signs that want to do this. Yeah. Are you offended that they took signs away that were not vulgar and not obstructive?
2: Yeah, I, I, again, th- this whole thing has been a, a victim of poor planning. Like, somebody should have said, yeah, we'll take signs away, but they got to cross the line. By taking the signs away that are basically innocuous, they're adding to the story. They're keeping it going. And so, yeah, I think that was that was over the top what they did. Uh, that was the game against the Nats, right, on Saturday? Yeah. They took those signs away. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I didn't think that was right.
1: All right. Uh, What about the uh, Kobe Bryant memorial on Monday?
2: Saw it. I thought I I was blown away by Vanessa. Her her speech was spectacular. Here's a quick Um, snippet.
1: Let me play it for people, Andy, and then they can listen.
2: He had to bring them home to heaven together, babe. You take care of our Gigi, and I got Nani, Bibi, and Coco. We're still the best team. We love and miss you, Boo Boo and Gigi.
1: May you both
0: rest in peace and have fun in heaven until we meet again one day. We love you both and miss you forever and always. Mommy.
2: Mm. Yeah, mm. that was the end. Um, that mm. that really that that was wonderful at the end. But she was amazingly composed through most of it, and uh, the fact that she chose to talk about things that. Every one of us who has kids has gone through the bath, the putting to bed. She didn't talk about the great celebrity that they had and the great privileges of sure. wealth. Except the one thing she mentioned that when they wanted to see a first-run movie, he would rent out the theater. Okay, other than that, right. uh, it really was something that that hit home with everybody who has children, and and you know that is the worst thing that anyone would have to do is to bury a child. And the fact that she's having to do that, plus her husband. I mean, it, it was, she was, she was really great. I was really impressed with what's and Jordan too. Michael Jordan's speech was outstanding. I
1: thought here was the takeaway quote from Jordan and involved the famous crying Jordan meme, which I still, yeah. I still love crying Jordan memes. The more creative, the better.
0: Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crying meme for the next I told my wife I wasn't going to do this because I didn't want to see that for the next three or four years.
1: (laughs) Goddamn, he is funny. I look at him with such awe and reverence. To me, he is always the legend, the goat. And I like the fact that he's a bit reclusive and a bit mysterious. He's not out there like a lot of ex-players of his generation, you know?
2: Yeah, well, he's the owner of a team, but yeah, you, you don't hear from him. I guess he sits courtside, but but doesn't you know really interfere. No, you that don't much. see
1: or hear. Even when the All Star game was in Chicago, was there a big footprint of Michael Jordan? I didn't see it.
2: No, no, not really. I mean, he's he and and look, that, that was the one thing that was really eye opening about. Kobe is that it's a next generation. There are you know lots and lots and lots of people who never saw Jordan play. For people who are you know your age and my age and older, we saw his whole career. And to me, he'll, I agree with you. I don't. I, I mean, LeBron is great and all that, but but he's the best. He's the best yeah. I ever saw.
1: And I would and, say, and, yeah. And I would say that uh, the other, yeah. Go ahead. One more thing.
2: I, I was just, I, I just, I would just say that that uh, you know his tone of the speech a lot different than any other time we've seen him in those situations. Remember his, his awkward Hall of Fame speech, how he ripped everybody? You well, know, people I, are
1: I, people are of different mindsets on that. Some people loved that speech. Others thought it was needlessly petty and you know, tone deaf.
2: So that's what I thought. But yeah. that's, that's just me. But this one was great, I thought.
1: All right. Uh, then there was the companion story today, which I am pretty sure they made sure came out today when all the good press was on the wonderful ceremony. It was a. Oh, by the way, we're suing the helicopter company.
2: Oh yeah, that was uh, that was uh, awkward timing, wasn't
1: it? But I think it was um, intentional because if if the uh, story comes out, we're suing the helicopter company for eight counts of negligence and even flying in that weather, then that's the only story on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. Now it it gets buried underneath the good press and the good sound bites of this wonderful memorial.
0: But yeah, it's it's I interesting
1: suppose. it's interesting that this lawsuit has been filed before the official NTSB report on what happened went public, right? Mm,
2: yeah. Well, did they have it when they filed it? I mean,
1: who? No, I don't, not, no. Not. I, I think they're preemptively doing it. And how does it look when you have? Somebody richer than the than the company that runs the pilots right that runs right. the yeah, helicopters I mean, suing them when you surely would have thought that the helicopter company would have told any other client we're not flying even the sheriff's helicopters are not flying it's too foggy
2: yeah yeah i I have no idea what happened and who knows what kind of pressure Kobe put on the pilot and Everything else that that led to this horrible tragedy, yeah. but um, yeah, it, it's there, there's there's no good ending to this. Whatever whatever happens in this lawsuit, there's no, nothing that good
1: comes out of that. All right, oh, I got to get your take on 17 game schedule expanded playoffs, and that'll be it yeah. for today. You got two minutes on it. Go.
2: It, it's it's a it's gonna happen, and B it's <laughs> gonna happen. I mean, it's you, gonna you, happen. I,
1: but I want to know if Andy Pollin likes it or not. <laughs>
2: No, well, uh, no, I, I don't like change. I, don't, I think 17 games is ridiculous. Also, I love football, but am I going to invest in six games in the first weekend? Yeah, maybe I will, but I won't watch you know every single play like I watch the others. And you know it, 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 it's, it's humorous to me to hear people like J.J. Watts. Oh, this is not going to happen. This is not for you, J.J. The, the hundred thousand dollar raise for the minimum guys, that's what's meaningful here. And that's why they're going to vote for it. They represent the majority of the players, and that's why the owners are going to get what they want. And the owners are are pushing this through now because they want to get the TV contracts done, and the TV contracts are going to create an awful lot of money, mostly for them. Yeah, it's going to raise the salary cap, but the owners are going to get richer off of this.
1: Ten years. Hurry, hurry, rush, rush. Sign now. Let's go. Boy, it just smells so fishy, but... You're right, the players' union has no leverage, and the owners are going to run them. This is the prophecy of the now former owner of the Panthers, uh, Jerry Richardson, when he said privately to Peyton Manning, we're going to take our fucking league back. Remember that (laughs) quote from the Michael Silver column?
2: My my favorite one is is Tex Schramm 35, 40 years ago when he said, we're the ranchers, they're the cattle.
1: Oh, boy. All right, Andy. Always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. All right, Jake. All right, just a quick thought to end here today. Stephen Jones apparently has had low to nonexistent activity on negotiating a new Dak Prescott contract since September, so reports Jane Slater of the NFL Network. He said the negotiations were where they were when they last talked and there's nothing acrimonious that Dak is still their guy, but they don't have any progress to report on, said Stephen. Stephen, our goal is to get it done with Dak. He wants to be here. We want him to be here long term. Uh, Stephen Jones also said he was surprised the deal didn't get done at the beginning of the season because we all thought it was close. Prices of quarterbacks in my lifetime have never gone down for the top guys in the league. Dak Prescott is one of those top guys. I don't care what you say about where you think he ranks. He is a top guy in that group of marketable, bankable star quarterbacks. You can win with him. You can win it all with him, with the right team around him. Is he perfect? Is he the best? No, he's not. But he plays every game, and he plays every week, and he is a marketer's dream. He's handled being Quarterback Dallas Cowboys flawlessly, which is a big position to fill. He won't get cheaper. The position won't go on sale anytime soon. And this franchise tag, which the Cowboys are hoping will backstop their hardball negotiations, or if they're not hardball, at least they hope the uh franchise tag will backstop a runaway figure of thirty to forty million dollars for Dak. Think again, you're gonna lose this game, Cowboys. If you want him and you want him long-term, now is the second best time to have signed him to a long-term deal. The best time to sign him to a long-term deal would have been a year ago, and that's gone now. So just mark my words, the Cowboys are walking down the same dead-end street with Dak as the Skins did with Kirk Cousins, and they're going to end up with an unsatisfactory outcome either money-wise or letting him go at some point. All right, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to download and put that ZabeCast app on your phone. It's absolutely free. It's a great place to stockpile your episodes of this program. Plus, you can get the Friday paid version of this podcast, so you can get five full days of me every week, and you will not miss the Friday show as well. It's not free, but it is cheap. It's about uh, a dollar a month. No, it's what did I say it was? Like 10 cents a day or something like that? It's crazy. Five bucks a month. It helps support this effort and uh, keep me going and energized. And I really appreciate it from everybody who has been a subscriber from day one and the new subscribers coming on all the time. Tell a couple friends, rate and review, tickle the algorithm, and we are good to go on that front. Have yourself a great Tuesday, and I will see you next time.
0: dot com